This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com. Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. I'm Logan. I'm Lindsay. Yeah, and we are back with another great creature, a good drink, and some fun... Well, I don't know. We, we actually don't have any stories, but we've got our own little lives and our own little stories to tell. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we've got a good time here planned. Uh, so uh, we are going to get going. Now, I again, I like to pretend that nobody reads the episode title. So <laughs> we can do a grand reveal right now. So this I like. Da, Imagine da, da, da. yourself. You're going down the still waters in northeastern India. You're on the river, and it's just, everything's quiet. You hear the birds in the trees, the monkeys, and suddenly you see what looks like a log rise out of the water. It's kind of bluish in shape and has rows of spikes down it. And suddenly one big side of the log opens it up, and it's an ambush predator. And it is tonight's thing, the Buru. Ooh. Yes. I'm excited. Um, I honestly, I don't know much about it. I know like uh, the teeniest bit just because I've seen a few pictures and that's about the extent. So I'm excited to learn along with everybody else. Yeah. And I'm happy to uh, <laughs> to discuss it with you, Lindsay. But first, we're going yeah. we're, we're gonna to need a drink, aren't we? We definitely are. Yeah. So our drink for tonight is the Buru. The Buru. Um, <laughs> If you like uh, rum and coke, you're probably going to like this. I'm personally not a fan of coke, but it's all right as a mixer. I love Long Island iced teas. And Spain actually has this amazing drink called Calimocho that's mm. half red wine and half coke. I've had that. Not under that name, but I've had that drink. Yeah, it's, it's, it's under a few other names in other places, too. But, like, Spain's where it came from, I guess. Uh-huh. But, like, uh, a friend mixed it up for me one night, and I was... Very skeptical. I mean, it's red wine and Coke. Of course, mm-hmm. I was skeptical about it, and it was <laughs> delicious. See, and um, I've, I've come to really appreciate the rum and Coke over the years. It's a drink that almost every bar in the world can make. You, you don't have to explain it to, ev- yeah, you know, even the most novice of bartenders. You know, those two ingredients, mix them together. They're probably really, like, satisfied when people order rum and Cokes because they're like, oh, I got this. Oh, yes. Going to nail this one. But, okay, but, but this is like the, a rum and coke, but a little different. With the Cali Mocha, though, I really wanted to talk about that a little oh, yeah? bit more. Um, just because I was, with the with the whole red wine and coke thing, it like sweetens the wine up, mm-hmm. and then it dampens the cola taste a little bit, so it just mellows both flavors out, which makes it really good. Now, you know? this, uh, the, the drink that and you had, And that's not our drink for tonight. <laughs> no, and we're not talking about Spain, but I, I will always talk about a good drink. <laughs> We'll feature it another time. But. Yeah, now it should be noted that um, typically as a mixer, if you can get the sugar-based Coke over the high fructose corn syrup, of course, it's going to make a better drink. Not the stuff that is made here in America, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, what is commonly referred to as, as, as Mexican Coke here in the United States. Because it's easier but, for us to get it, but it's, yeah, it's all over the world that's yeah, the, yeah, the sugary it's, stuff. It's really anywhere but America Coke. It's it, the yeah, metric exactly. system of Coke. <laughs> the better sugar yeah um okay so for the buru we have one and a half ounces of dark rum four ounces of cola or enough to fill the drink with a half an ounce of amaretto liqueur mm. and you garnish with a cherry or a lime wedge so if you guys don't know what amaretto is um, basically it's a liqueur with an almond flavor but surprisingly, it may or may not contain almonds. So, like, the, the base, the standard base of the liqueur is usually made from either, like, apricot pits or almonds or sometimes both. Mm-hmm. And then it can contain, you know, a number of added spices and flavorings, just like a ton of other alcohols do. Yeah. The word amaretto is Italian for a little bitter. Uh, and it's good on its own. It's good as a mixer. Uh, it's really good as an addition to coffee. It's excellent as an ice cream topping. And as an ice cream topping. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to make the buru, basically, you fill you fill a Collins glass with ice. Um, a Collins glass is a, a tall, thin tumbler. It's, it's narrower than a highball glass. And you pour the rum and then the amaretto. And you're going to top it off with a cola. 
Stir that well and then just garnish with a cherry or lime wedge. So it's a super, super easy drink to make. Amaretto can be found everywhere. Yeah, it's kind of an easy one to to gather the ingredients for. Yeah, you may even um, already have them. But it is nice. It's still, boy, it is still summertime here in Utah and it is getting toasty. Oh it, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so this so is a nice, a nice drink for a, for a warm summer night. Boy, uh, so uh, we we did just have the Fourth of July, uh, which is uh, America's birthday. Uh, how was your, how was your holiday, Lindsay? You know, I <laughs> it was interesting for me because I didn't have any specific plans, mm-hmm. and so I decided to stay home and experiment with um, playing D anD D online via Roll Twenty. Cool, <laughs> and it was actually really fun. I found a couple of games I played in those. Um, everybody had fireworks going on outside their windows. So that and it's kind, that of, kind of just pick up groups, right? Yeah, it's, it's just a one shot. You know, it's I like just a drop in hockey game only yeah. with magic. Who okay. shows up? Um, the DM there like interviewed a few people just to pick who he wanted for his party. And then, yeah, I just used my character from our campaign because I knew her pretty well. Yeah. And it was really fun. You know, it was something very different to do, you know? Well, cool. I'm glad you're getting that experience. I'm lucky enough that I've had friends that play D&D for a number of years. Yeah, you have way more experience um, than I do. <laughs> yeah, and so this is it, I, this is a really fun new... Our, our little campaign is kind of with... It's people I've never played a role-playing game with before. Um, we're all adults, which is a fun a fun thing. And, we're, and most of us are performers and actors. So yeah, our everybody group but is, me. <laughs> well, yeah, but Lindsay, you're, you're our, our brain and our conscience. So. <laughs> Typically, yes. <laughs> Um, In the best and kind way. of yeah, and and my my D and D news, I'm afraid I am going to retire my tiefling warlock. Uh, it's not so much that I'm not having fun with him; it's that I'm not really thinking of a great way for his story to turn out to not be a villain. So he's coming back as a bad guy later on, which will be really we're, fun. We're going to battle him for tra- for tra- trading sides, and my new one is a dragonborn sorcerer. Why? So he can become a dragon when he grows up. Those wish spells, man. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Wish is there at level 20. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be really fun. Yeah. But instead of like 4th of July news, I guess I have like news of what's coming up for me. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. So, so this weekend I'm going camping and I can tell you where because by the time this comes out, I'll be leaving within... You will have scorched the earth and no one can find the (laughs) path you took. Yeah. So it's a little less weird and creepy. Uh Not that anybody would come find me, but it's just strange. But anyway, I'm going to a place called Moon Lake here in Utah. And it's up um, up in the mountains. Beautiful lake. It's got kayaks, boats, fishing boats, paddle boarding, paddle boats, uh, fishing all over the place. But apparently it's one of the most haunted places in Utah, which I didn't know. I didn't know that day. either. <laughs> yeah. So apparently there is a ghost of a little girl there, like around seven years old, and she she appears in broad daylight. And Ooh, she, a diurnal ghost. We, yeah. She yeah. is soaked. She's shivering. She's crying. And she'll ask you for help if you see her. Um, and as soon as you reach out to help her, she just disappears into thin air. Whoa. So she's, she's appeared to campers and hikers for years. And like, even if you don't see her, sometimes you'll hear a child crying um or you're you'll hear some loud splashing like somebody has fallen into the lake but you'll look out and everything is totally calm at night you might hear like ear piercing screams or even more loud splashing or sometimes uh like footsteps running across your campsite so i'm really interested to see how this goes oh what a fun thing that's gonna be Unfortunately, my next week is a little quiet because my 4th of July uh, had had a bit of a mishap. I did get a boo-boo. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, well, this, let this be a lesson to everybody out there. Drink your water in the summertime. Yes. I know we recommend a variety of different drinks, but no one ever says often enough, drink your water. <laughs> we live in the desert. I am a desert creature. But after a, a series of events, I ended up not having enough water and losing consciousness. And that never a fun time. Yeah, yeah. And that did land me right on my old noggin and get me a couple of stitches to the coconut. And so we'll see what happens from that. I got to 
shiny new scar. Uh, hopefully not too bad. Hey, scars are cool, right? Chick- they all chick- come with a story. Scars. I've got quite the collection by now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But until the stitches come out, I'm just kind of kind of taking it easy. Don't don't want to run the risk of a concussion now. Not, Good no, call. Yeah. No offense to anybody who's actually had a concussion. They're very serious. Nothing to laugh about. Now. <laughs> We are glad that you do not have one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm I'm still still rehearsing for my play, still putting that together. I'm excited to see it. Oh yeah, it'll be fun. I haven't I have not acted in a long time, at least in a formal theater setting. So this is something different. It's gonna and, be awesome. Yeah, and I like the way that my definition of a formal theater setting is going to be a bar with drinks served <laughs> to audience members. Oh, and I'm so the much actors more excited. as often as possible. <laughs> I yeah. go to many plays that we have friends in, and I never get to drink there, so I'm very excited. Yeah, it's a different thing for Utah. I'm not sure how it is in other places in the world, but this is kind of a new thing. I'm not sure if it'll be a thing that catches on. We'll see how well it goes. We'll just but, have to uh, make it catch on. Make sure everybody comes to your show. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I'll keep talking about it. We open in August, and it should be fun. Cool. Uh, so, Yeah. Um, so we've, before we've we done kind started, of, oh, okay, real quick. We, we're, we're packing our bags, we're going someplace far away, so make we sure are. we got everything. But we need to talk about something super cool that's happening on Patreon. Something super cool? I love super cool. I mean, another super cool thing other than our edition of a folktale story each time we do one of those episodes, uh-huh. um, in case you didn't hear that from last week. After all of that, it occurred to me that we could put all of our past stories onto Patreon just by themselves. Um, for you guys, if you want to refer back to them or listen to them on a car ride or a train or even notably like listen to with your kids or your nibblings if you have them. Yeah, that that is kind of a weird thing because we are both passionate about folklore and drinks that has earned us the explicit tag on itunes which is fine yeah. we, we're happy to discuss the more adult topics and uh i love that we have an audience of adults the deal is is i i do recognize that many of our listeners may have kids and <laughs> if you're going to listen to a to a fairy tale maybe you want to share that with, with your them kids. yeah uh, yeah i mean it's, so, it's culture and we are 100% the more culture the better for everybody of every age you know yeah, plus, yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, yeah and, well, those those will be clean um, they will not have any commentary with them yep just cut and dry the story the Logan perfect narration. for sharing <laughs> they will be so we're gonna we're gonna go through all our past episodes grab the stories out of there and tuck them all onto Patreon it's gonna be available for all of the tiers just like our extra folklore stories so you can contribute whatever you can out of those tiers and still get access to them um, but we figured you know it might be really nice if like Logan said if you don't want them necessarily listening to a show about a show that involves drinking we totally get yeah. that but I know you it's might not want for to, everybody yeah. um, just because I enjoy it doesn't mean everyone has to True. so and you might yeah. want to hear have them hear some fun stories from around the world um, maybe your significant other or somebody in your family really likes folklore, but also doesn't like drinking or something, which is fine, but they want to hear some cool stories. That's a great way to, you know, so these, this is definitely a great way to get easy access to a bunch of tales and they'll be labeled, you know, like where they're from, what episode they're from, what they're called, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it'll all be on there. It'll all be really great. I think, I think it'll just be a really nice addition to Patreon and a nice little bump of an extra for you guys. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, really this, my hat goes off to Lindsay for kind of stepping up and really making sure our Patreon <laughs> is something cool. Um, she's really putting a lot of work into it. I'm trying to catch up, uh, but really she's other, uh, other cool stuff coming down. She the set the bar you. high for, for <laughs> what goes into our Patreon. Uh, so really, if anyone feels like going over and checking it out, uh, if you can donate, thank you so much. If you can't, I totally understand. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool thing. So thanks, Lindsay. You betcha. I'm just excited that we're getting some content on there for you guys. We've we've been neglecting it a little bit and we shouldn't yeah, we've have been, trying been to... but life is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does come with the philosophy of, of what do we put out there for, for extra content as opposed to what what do we not just put in the regular show? But mm-hmm. I think as we kind of put the show together and as it got its legs underneath it and kind of hit a flow... Well, then it then it started to make sense a little bit what could be on the on the extra side of things. Yep. So we've got more stuff in the future that we'll be adding, but these are definitely for sure things you can count on 
coming down the line. I won't yeah. add them all at once. They'll be as I'm able to pull stuff out and post them. But eventually everything will be on there as well as any new episode in the future, too. So cool. keep an eye out for those. Anyway, let's anyway, talk about the Buru. Let's talk about the Buru. Okay, so we have talked about, you know, the, the happenings around Salt Lake. We took a stop over in Spain to have a, a quick drink. And now we're back on the plane. We are going all the way to India, not just, you know mainstream bangladesh india we're not going to you know the places that people actually have been or they shot movies we're not going to bollywood india no we are going to a a place up in kind of if india was like overlaid a map of the united states the northeastern part of india is an area called arunchal pradesh is that where the like borders like nepal Yes, so it is sandwiched. Uh, actually, actually, it, uh, everyone is kind of used to Nepal being uh, northern India. Um, Nepal is actually further west uh, than this uh, this part. So, uh, Bhutan oh, this, is between. Oh, gotcha. It's like yeah. the points. The point. Exactly. It. Yeah, it's it's Got like it. the New England main area gotcha. of England. Yeah, so it's right near Tibet, uh, and uh, it's got China right on the side of it. Now it is still uh, on the west side of the Himalayas, so it does have still a whole lot of mountains, but it has a really rich and broad river that goes right through the whole thing down toward Bangladesh. Cool. And this river is called the Brahmaputra River. Brahmaputra. Um, yeah. It's a cool name. I'm hoping I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> I couldn't tell you one way or the other. Um, uh, one thing so with that's, the Himalayas, like, okay, so I was listening to Astonishing Legends one time, mm-hmm. which is another podcast. They are wonderful. If you like this kind of stuff that we do, you would love them too. But I digress. Um, they said one time that it's the Himalayas, apparently. Himalayas? But I. Colloquially, I would not be surprised. Colloquially, we know it is the Himalayas, so we'll, we we'll just have, say that. But it yeah, could potentially Western also society be that. Has, has done a really great job of deliberately misunderstanding. <laughs> the, We're real good the, at that. <laughs> the area and everything that having to do with it. <laughs> so yes, we recognize that there may be different pronunciations of the Himalayas. Yeah, slash the Himalayas. They're yeah. both really cool names. I should send a tweet out to the 200 people at the in line at the top of Mount Everest right now because they have nothing better to do. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, they can discuss it among themselves. Perfect. Is it Himalayas or Himalayas? We got to be able to say the right thing when we get home. <laughs> I guess they could just ask their guide. Usually, don't they have a guide with them? Yes, they're Sherpa. Um, yeah. Which I, I I learned. Okay, fun fact about the Sherpa. They're more they're more Nepal than India. But anyway, fun fun <laughs> thing about fun thing about the uh, the the Sherpas. Let's see if I remember it. I don't have my notes in front of me for him. So anyway, I usually claim that I'm like a Sherpa for the Salt Lake City Valley. I work as a local guide occasionally for movie crews when they come in to scout locations and they come into town and don't know where anything is. I'm their helper monkey. Very cool. In shorthand, I, I for years have just called it Sherpa work. Um, I, why? Because when it, when a film crew comes to Utah, they want to go up the mountain. That's always sure, it doesn't yeah. matter what they're filming or what they plan on filming before the shoot is over. They want to go up the mountain. Well, that's so pretty. So, why wouldn't you? So I take them up the mountain, you know. And so that's that's always been my. But um, so Sherpa is both a people. That is native to that area, but it's also the job of of mountain guide, and it's it's a one word with two meanings. Um, if you hire a Sherpa, they may or may not be a member of the Sherpa people. Interesting. Yeah, it's something I learned on some other news story about those uh, people who are <laughs> constantly waiting in line for the top of Everest. <laughs> heard it somewhere at some time. Yeah, so, so it be must true. be true. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, if you're planning on climbing Everest, there are better things to do. It's, uh, I will Photoshop you a selfie on top of it, and you don't need to go put some garbage of some oxygen tanks and maybe freeze to death on the top of that mountain. Go do something else. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're super into mountain climbing, good for you. I could never do it. Yeah. So props there. So yeah, but. so on our on on our little uh, cross country air trip, we passed Mount Everest. We waved at all those people up there. They waved back because they're just freezing, waiting in line for their selfies. And we land uh, on, right near the Brahmaputra River in an area f- called Rilo. Okay. Yeah, Rilo is it's in this uh, Rilo Ren. 
Rilo Ren, yes. It's in this uh, Arunachal Pradesh region. Um, it's heavily forested. It's right between a great big mountain uh, mountain and forest area down into this this great big river. Now, uh, what we talked about from the, the scene that we set at the beginning here, this is a river monster. The Buru is really if you want to talk with talk about it from just the 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 quickest shorthand of like someone says oh you're going you're going to the Arunachal Pradesh huh watch out for the buru then they say well what's the buru Uh, it's like a crocodile but bigger watch out for it and shorthand that's terrifying yeah that would that would get their point across but it doesn't fit with any crocodiles that we know It, it now it could absolutely be just a a big crocodilian lives in this particular region and if it did, it would probably have more of a of a gharial diet, uh, being more fish based than jump out and eat people, because it seems like it's pretty elusive. It, it's not something that comes out and suns itself or anything like that. Uh, it it has very kind of restrained behavior. Uh, now it could be it could be as simple as a crocodile or uh, or a monitor lizard. Uh, there's been a lot of thought that it might be a monitor lizard because of the description of the head. The head is uh, supposed to be sm- something between a crocodile and a snake, where it has uh, finer scaling along it and a, a kind of a smoother texture. Um, mm-hmm. And when you hear that, that, that it has some snake mixed into it, well, on one hand, it could be a snake, sure. but it also tells you that it's got some different features than just a long-snouted it just look like crocodilian. a crocodile. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so the so the illustrations I've seen, it has a rounder snout and a more kind of bulbous head to it. What's the? Um, sorry to interrupt. What's the difference between a monitor lizard and a komodo dragon? Oh, are they very okay. similar looking? Komodo dragon is a type of monitor lizard. Oh, okay, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Like a Komodo he- dragons like a Gila are just monster is like uh, that too. The Gila monster is a, is a regular lizard. I don't believe they are a monitor. Uh, in my brain, um, they're all just lumped together in like large lizard creature. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, le- I'm a lizard enthusiast. <laughs> I would not call myself a herpetologist. Um, <laughs> if anyone is looking for some really great uh, information about reptiles, especially towards people who might own one. Um, I would recommend the, uh, the, cl- let's see, Clint's reptiles on YouTube. Clint um, sounds like Clint a great Laidlaw. Guy. He's, you know, for a BYU professor, he's really, he's an okay guy. I re- he's I very passionate. Like-, <laughs> like at first I'm like, BYU. No, oh my oh. gosh. No, I, it's funny because I feel exactly the same way about Brandon Sanderson. who's a fantasy author. Yeah. <laughs> he teaches at BYU, but he's one of the best fantasy authors I've ever read. And yeah, like what I learned, like- he was a professor there. I was like, ugh. Yeah, we, we have to explain. Um, BYU is a local university. Uh, it's a that private, is not the cool one. It's a private <laughs> university, and it's it's run by the Mormon Church, basically. Which you, if you know yeah. about Utah, you probably know about Mormons. You've heard of them, yeah, or and... Latter Day Saints or whatever. Um, but it's it's a specifically private school. They have like a strict honor code. They it's it's everything that you. God, most normal people don't want in college all these yeah. restrictions and like yeah and, and and it does provide families that want that kind of environment uh, sure, you know a yeah. place where they can learn and uphold their their own you know beliefs and everything like that and that's cool that's what has, america's all about and it has its problems um, just like any other campus does but it's yeah. um for logan and i we just kind of roll our eyes at the fact that it's it is well, what it is, you know. We both we both attended the rival school, the University we did. of Utah. Yeah, so they're automatically our rivals. So we kind yeah, of by, have by to default. dislike them. <laughs> yeah, but but Clint Laidlaw, a zoology professor, he runs a YouTube channel that is uh, Clint's Reptiles. Definitely check that out if you if you like reptiles at all. Uh, it's become one of my one of my new favorite channels. Awesome, I love it. I'll have to look it up and learn more about lizards since I don't know yeah, anything. He's, apparently, he's just universally enthusiastic about the creatures he's presenting, and a lot of the time they are creatures that most people might think are ugly or dangerous or not something to be loved. Uh, and uh, Clint can find something to love about that's them. So and that's so sweet. I love yeah, when people so- are so into what they're studying. Like, you know, they dedicate their life to it already because it's their profession, but they are just mm-hmm. overly enthused about it and are, like 
it's just bubbling over and they want to share it. So they have stuff like a YouTube channel or like a podcast, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, and it's it's just fun to have to share in someone else's passion. Yeah. And I guess that may be why people are listening to this or maybe they just like to hear us talk. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> side note, I did, I did find a super cool... There's this really neat snake. I sent you a link earlier. I don't know if you saw it. But oh, that was a that was a super sweet snake oh, you sent me. It's a, I, it's I know that. Yeah, a sunbeam snake, and it's iridescent, which is like my favorite yeah. thing in the whole world. And so it's like silvery, but it has this iridescent sheen to its scales. Yeah, it looks like a beetle or an oil slick or something like that. I've it never has wanted this... a snake more in my life. <laughs> I totally want to get one now. I love a danger noodle. They're so cute. <laughs> but yeah anyway i just saw that and i was like dude logan will love this so you guys should look it up oh, i'll yeah. put a link it in our show notes but it's a cool looking super snake. cool yeah and you know owning reptiles is not for everyone they can be challenging pets but uh, learn to appreciate them from afar they are valuable members of ecosystems and i don't know and when a creature doesn't have when a creature doesn't have to evolve for a couple million years it tells you they must be doing something right yeah snakes sharks they, <laughs> they know what's up man yeah it's true yeah so we're going back to india now right. we talked about how it could be a crocodilian right let's let's add that to the list as far as Check. possibilities for what the boo might be um it may not be the most exotic um conclusion to this story but i love that it, there's a very real possibility that this is a real creature that they just oh, haven't sure. documented very well. And I mean, um, um, them seeing crocodile or whatever gets across the point that, hey, this is dangerous, stay away. So yeah. if they said maybe some of the other things that it could possibly be, it makes it yeah, suddenly so less threatening, I guess. There's actually quite a few things it could be. Um, so we talked about a crocodile. In looking at the illustrations, I haven't found a whole lot of uh, you know documentation that says it's, that it reminds anyone else about it. But its head shape looks far more amphibious to me okay. than reptilian. Um, with that round kind of pod-shaped head, it, it, it really it, it looks in many illustrations like a hellbender, like a hellbender salamander. Um, okay. Just huge. Just a really big one. Because um, aren't we know salamanders those things, like a few inches long? Usually, usually? yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get up to like, I think the biggest ones are 14 ish inches and like they're 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 big ish but they don't get man eater size they did though um oh. there are prehistoric salamanders that were gigantic like the giant and, sloth yeah yeah uh, the megatherium the ground sloth oh, so cool sloths man one of my favorites but <laughs> so yeah, it could, it could be like a giant, like a giant salamander type creature, um, and that would account for spending so much time in the water. Okay, with such a limited data set, most of what we have are from reporters and uh, a couple of scientists went down in the '40s and after, and got reports from local villagers, and there were a rash. Uh, of sightings between 1940s and I think somewhere in the 60s, and then they just kind of died out. Uh, this was not a, something that it was very popular to continue seeing, or it could have moved elsewhere or died. I don't know. I hope it didn't die. I hope it didn't die. But salamander, a possibility. Cool. Um, Check. The, the other possibility that I kind of like just thinking again, there are a lot of creatures that can breathe air that eat things on the surface, but spend almost their entire lives underwater. I want to um, do that. And I just get this kind of itch on my back that it may be a chelid, a snake necked turtle. So um, that's all they see coming I'm out. I'm just picturing a, like a turtle with a really, really long neck. Is that basically And it? you would be correct. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's actually an older body type that was evolved, and it's not very effective. Oddly enough, uh, Clint Laidlaw has a far better video on this than I do. Uh, <laughs> we will but, link it. <laughs> yeah, it's something that uh, a lot of turtles uh, in the early days of that body type, they would retract their head any way they could. And they started turning their head to the sides, and that works around having a very long, long neck. But it also does expose the neck when the head is withdrawn. So in many ways, it's seen as kind of a disadvantage, but it would create that that creature on the surface of just a head snaking up uh, out of the water. 
Now, also, the, the obvious answer is it could be a snake. A snake, S-N-E-K. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could just be a great big anaconda type thing out there. A very big danger noodle. Yeah, but it doesn't coil around things. It just grabs things. So it's not like a constrictor snake. It's some other yes, kind of snake. Indeed. Well, it was. Snake. Yeah, and uh, it was under Ralph Izzard, or Izzard. You know, maybe. He's, maybe uh, he's related <laughs> to Eddie. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Uh, uh, that would be great, but nevertheless, he was he was a pretty good scientist and uh, and a fighter for the British uh, Office of Naval Intelligence, and well, he went and documented a lot of things from the area. One of the things that he you know got a lot of are reports that there is a monster in that river, and they are pretty congruent with each other. It's it's got these colorations. Uh, it could be kind of a dinosaur thing, although really it, that. It, the behavior of only living in the water, coming out only to feed. They haven't found a lair for it. Uh, they haven't found a nest or anything like that. Um, to me, it, it seems a little bit more aquatic than terrestrial in nature. And you want to know what I really think it is? What? I think it's a goonch, Lindsay. A, uh, a pardon me? A goonch. A goonch. A goonch. Oh, yeah. So, we have to, what's, a when, when, <laughs> what's a goonch, you say? Oh, well, the goonch is, well, you're going to find out. So, I am on okay. pins and needles. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> the goonch is a real thing. It lives in South Asia, in uh, Sumatra, Borneo. Um, and so a little bit, it, a little ways away from this. A little bit of ways away, but not implausibly far away. Gotcha. It is known under the scientific name Bagarius Yarelli, and it is known as the giant devil catfish, or goonch. Is it a catfish with horns? Catfish that, uh, it looks like a sea monster for sure. Cool. And they can get up to two meters, uh, six and a half feet for us Americans, uh, long, and weigh over 200 pounds. Um, Damn, It may be the, the largest species of catfish. Um, they too were thought to be a myth until they were found. <laughs> As many things have happened, for sure. Yeah, like and that. it's a catfish. It's got a great big mouth and it just sucks in stuff and swallows it whole. Um, uh, well, let's see. I'm not, I'm not sure you could catch it with just one arm wiggling in the water. That's not something we do here in Utah. We don't get a whole lot of catfish. <laughs> no, but, we don't. Uh, that, that is something that, that some humans have been noted to do. But I it's like think a TV it may show be a, about it. I think it may be a goonch, Lindsay. Think we got ourselves a goonch in that there river. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it's just that is a classic, not a classic, but as a real river monster. It's a freshwater giant catfish. So do you think that the anatomy that we've heard about lines up with the goonch? Well, there are some reports that it's got fringes down its back, that it's got discernible legs. But it's not weird that, for that, that's weird for a catfish, right? That is no, yeah, catfish do not have. Yeah, legs. I was um, like, that's they're, a they're, not they're, catfish thing. Yeah. <laughs> now there has also been some conjecture that it could be a lungfish, which is another kind of lobe-finned fish, uh, so-called because it can actually come out of the water and bask in the mud, okay, uh, or move from mud hole to mud hole. In my brain, I'm just um, picturing like, um, you know, in those uh, like animated videos trying to explain evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And you just see like a fish and then it starts to sprout little legs and it walks up onto land. That's what my brain is thinking. Like that stage yep, of just, evolution. Just just get some uh, some legs out of someplace. I don't know. <laughs> they just pop out. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so most accounts say that the Buru is 12 to 15 feet long. Damn. It has uh, smooth skin on most of its body, except for a ridge line of three large... Uh, Kind of, I call them kind of fringes, but it's a, it, they're hardened. I wonder like if they're like an fins, osteoderm kind not. of thing. Could be. Uh, most of the time, they're drawn like crocodile spikes, just three rows of them going from their head all the way down to their tail. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the distinctive feature on it. Now there are some reports that say it has a mouth with flat teeth, and sometimes it's described as having sharp sharp teeth and a forked tongue so it may be a reptile after mm. all flat teeth or are always creepier 
you know, because you expect things like that to have sharp teeth because you think about crocodiles or alligators. And then just like I'm just picturing like a crocodile with molars. Yeah. And that could very well be a possibility. Um, Like buck teeth. It's a little weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, India is a place of really rich uh, fantasy. It has really cool monsters that come from there. Not all of them are based directly on what is just immediately around. Uh Um, There's there's some pretty far-reaching stuff from folk tales. But the Buru is kind of a little bit more grounded. More cryptic than than fairy tale. Yeah, exactly. It does. It's not going to come in and uh, and steal your children off to a a whimsical land. It'll just eat them. Stay out of the water, kids. <laughs> I have seen one illustration that went so far as to take these three rows of scales and combine them to one uh, kind of cluster down at the tail, um, effectively creating almost a thagomizer or spiked tail that can be used as a weapon. <laughs> you and your fancy words. I love that word. That's one of my favorite <laughs> words. Thagomizer? Um, the thagomizer. Um, okay, now this is I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin the times that I get to say this to anybody else because it's now on the podcast. The thagomizer. <laughs> it was a. Uh, if you ever wondering, can't use what it on the, dates anymore. Nope, can't do it. <laughs> um, the the spiked tail at the end of a stegosaurus didn't have oh. a name until Gary Larson featured it in one of his Far Side cartoons. <sighs> Classic Gary um, Larson, man. Yep. And it was named because it, let's see it. Uh, we'll find the cartoon and send the, and put the oh, link yeah, in totally. it. I'm sure, I, I'm sure the artwork will be far funnier than my description of it. But it, essentially, if I remember correctly, it's because it, they were trying to remember the late great thag who was its latest victim. He was a, he was a caveman, you see. It just <laughs> of kind course. Of propagating that particular reality that cavemen hung out with dinosaurs. <laughs> Nevertheless. Which is not true. Uh, yes. It was the first time it was officially named, and the name stuck. Paleontologists are known for having kind of a sense of humor. I mean, they love they, they're weirdos. Their, their work is just digging like up dinosaurs. So yeah. when they're like Thagomizer, that's a pretty sweet name, actually. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. So yeah, the Buru may have a Thagomizer, probably not. Um, typically, the Thagomizer or tail clubs, you don't see them on water creatures. Um, that that is really a terrestrial feature. Yeah, it's something to carry around and fight with. It's not very dynamic uh, in the water. In the water, they can't move well, right? And in the water, you see more fin appendages or just long, sleek lines for streamlining. Right, like fins that are like movable, like to be able to put it towards the side of your body or something. Yeah. So, because of my natural love of all things dragon. I love. I I do kind of want him to be a reptile, but just looking at the only available evidence, I can't quite say that for certain. Okay. So yeah, it could be a lot of things. It if it does if it does live, it definitely lives in the river. Um, there are that's like the some commonality r- between everything, right? The river. Yeah. Let's see. It does have. Uh, it, it has been noted that it is capable of short bursts of speed. Um, but again, I feel like some of that could just be expected behavior based upon the assumption that it's a crocodile-like Yeah, that's, I was going to say that's kind of crocodilian anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Most of the attributes you could describe to a crocodile, there is some conjecture the Buru could do the same thing. Which more and more lets me think that it may just be a big monitor lizard or crocodilian that we just haven't properly documented. Sure. And there's no reason it couldn't be, right? Yeah. And hopefully we haven't hunted to extinction already. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, there's creatures all over the world that we have not discovered yet. I mean, we're we're discovering new species constantly. And you know what? You want to know the, my my real thought as I researched this creature? I kept thinking, why? Oh, why wasn't this thing featured in Far Cry Four? Right? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. That was set in uh, Kirat, which is a fictional region of india that is kind of in this in this area in northern india uh kind of in the myanmar or burma uh, region um near nepal and and it has wildlife from all over that area they get really creative with what really would have lived in this fictional uh part of india 
Um, Maybe that's why they didn't do it, just because it was potentially not a thing that existed. But it would have been a great yeah, monster for that game. It would have been a good one. I, I, I feel like... So they actually had challenge creatures that were kind of the apex form of the different animals you could find in the game. And I just can can picture you get somebody requesting a Buru skin and you yeah. have to go and go go to the to the riverbank and set out just the right the right bait maybe at nighttime because oh that's when it comes out to feed and stay very quiet don't let it smell you before you you know and, and there's a lot of lot of aspects to this creature as far as how you might hunt it um i feel like i if I needed to catch one of these alive, I would use tactics very similar to a, like hunting a, a lizard or crocodile. You throw down some bait and uh, near where it lives and watch. And <laughs> <laughs> but don't go hunt it. Don't be the bait. Yeah, if you're going to do it, like goal. at least just do it. You know, get it on film or something rather than yeah. like kill it. Let it be. Yeah. So I couldn't find. I actually couldn't find anything more fantastical about the buru maybe that's why this is kind of uh we we have made the effort to to focus on on lesser known Mm -hmm. cryptids the cryptids that not everybody does and that might be why um there are no reports of it breathing fire or changing into a butterfly or anything like that (laughs) but it would be cool it's kind of just a big lizardy creature that lizards around near the river (laughs) oh that Um, (laughs) lizarding yeah i bet it's uh, so in D and D terms, I bet you I would call it a beast. Um, yeah, it is kind sense. of. It's about animal level intelligence. It's instinct driven, and it will defend itself if cornered or threatened. Um, probably doesn't have resistance to a whole lot. Uh, it's what just kind of a you know a, a, like I I I want to say mundane animal, but it's not really mundane it's very special in its own way so because it's rare it, and it's still a threat like it's still oh dangerous. yeah it's rare it's a it's a threat it's eaten a lot of farm animals or something has eaten farm animals right. and and people have disappeared but you know, there's a lot of things that you know that could have made that happen um but i like the way that this story hasn't really been embellished uh it was a good enough story to start with and hasn't grown and hasn't said this thing was 150 feet long and uh, you know it, there were 12 of them and they all stacked neatly on top of each other <laughs> you know the, the, exactly <laughs> the story didn't didn't become a tall tale it's pretty plausible on its own um we've seen creatures like this in the fossil record uh there are animals like this that do exist in this area of the world um, just not this particular region. Right. Well, and I mean, this so. this kind of feels like um, uh, how the Groot Slang was to begin with. And then mm-hmm. as the Dutch settlers came in with the Groot Slang, I think it kind of shifted into the fantastical creature that we know of now, you know, the diamond eyes and the yeah. elephantine well, we, we features. That- but this is like before that and it never got to the Groot Slangy place. Yeah. And I feel like that's because, um, well, it tells it, it survived colonialism a little bit differently. Right. Um, it wasn't really recorded until after a lot of the, the changes mm-hmm. um, that uh, Western civilization put in place. And I, I, I'm not really sure what else there is on that one. They, 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 they did weather the storm of cultural appro- appropriation pretty well, but I feel like because there's no drive to find the mouth of uh, of this particular river. Maybe there's no uh, drive to exploit what's there. Sure. Um, I, I do know that, you know, of course, India has been exploited over the years, very much so. Uh, but this particular region um, maybe just didn't have as much that was uh, desirable at the time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't some random Dutch hunter wanting to hunt down the buru. Yeah, these I, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if you know some uh, Rudyard Kipling type person uh, <laughs> heard, heard stories about the buru, sure, and decided that that's that that would be their quarry for the week. And I'm sure that did happen, and those people maybe never came back. So <laughs> then that just adds even more credence to the fact that it's dangerous when monster hunting 
please try to come back alive so you can write things down. Yeah, we would appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um, that's that's kind of the the buru. Um, I I wish it was kind of more magical, but part of me loves that it's not. Uh, it's it 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 does what it do. You yeah, know, I love the, that the it bo- that it's something that could easily be real. You know, mm-hmm. that, that it has yeah, mythical that- properties in the fact that like no one knows exactly what it is, and it's been said to be many different things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I have not heard anything on here uh that uh, lets me think that the buru is implausible in some sure way. yeah no i agree i mean everything about it seems like it could easily just be a creature that nobody's figured out what it is or has looked like yet or maybe we've discovered mm-hmm. it and we just have we don't know that yet or it's just lying in wait waiting for some super awesome scientist to go find it and who knows yeah yeah and so it it, it it really could be a little bit of anything, um, but I hope that it's something. I hope that it's not just a not just a story. I would really love it if this one turned out to be That'd real. That'd be great. That's really satisfying from a cryptid perspective. Um, sure, I mean, uh, like what the Ardwolf, right? That's a creature that yeah, like the Ardwolf. was a cryptid and has since been fully discovered and is a real creature. Yeah, and now is just an animal. And it's something that is worth protecting, and it's something that fits in the natural world. Yeah, and lends credence uh, to the field of cryptozoology, too. Yeah, exactly. It also implies that um, our science is capable of growing and advancing. Which it should, because um, that's yeah. science. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. It's as, it's as much as we know for now. Yes. Um, and sometimes that's easy to forget. Until we discover something new and that kind of turns everything else on its head. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much what I've got on the Buru. We've, um, what do you think in alignment yeah. wise? Oh, alignment. I would say I would say probably true neutral. Um, it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't ravage villages for fun. It doesn't uh, steal gems or anything like that. It just kind of. In anywhere else in the world, you'd just say, "Oh, it's it's the big lizard that lives in the water, or the big amphibian that lives in the lake." Um, yeah, Buru don't care. Buru don't care. <laughs> I can, I so, can see yeah. neutral. You know, like it's too neutral. Attacks attacks if it needs to attack if you come around, but otherwise, but it's otherwise, just food, man. Yeah, it just it lives in its own little spot, and as long as you're not there, you're good. Fair enough. Yeah, and so that that's kind of where I put it. I put it uh, just right on the same level as animals and things that are part of part of the natural world. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess we could maybe say like neutral evil, just in case it be- needs to be a monster in your campaign or something like that. Oh yeah, or yeah. like it's something sinister has happened and some sort of magic is involved in that regard. If I were to if I were to use it as an antagonistic uh, creature. Um, I would go the usual route of it, uh, it lives in the water and some some pollutant or some some corruption has gotten into the water and corrupted uh, it to become whatever. Yeah, and it has become something far more terrible. Uh, I like that. Yeah, I also am reminded in Pamela Jekyll's The Third Jungle Book, which is a compilation and continuation of stories that Kipling wrote. Didn't even they, know that existed. She had one, <laughs> it, it was it was less popular, <laughs> um, but still very good. And one of the characters in it was Jakala, tyrant of the marsh. Uh, Jakala was a crocodile who was just ruler over the muck, and all Ooh. that Jakala could survey from the low hill on which he sat belonged to him. And his jaws meted out justice to any who would fall between them. So, like a lawful yeah. evil kind of thing. Lawful evil, yes, maybe. I could definitely see like Buru fitting into that vibe really easily. Yes, maybe. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, um, any any other things on Buru, or should we move to our promo? 
Oh, I think yeah. Let's just go for the, go for the promo. Cool. Let's let's shed the share the love. Sounds good to me. Um, so our promo this week is for the show Kills and Chills, and these two have a show about death, true crime, the paranormal, weird stuff in general. Um, so there is a very good chance since you like our show because you're still listening that you will love the show as well. So here is yeah. the promo. Check it out. Hey guys, I'm Dan. And I'm Ken. And we're from the informal podcast, Kills and Chills. We cover anything from serial killers, assassinations, missing persons cases, you know, you name it. Yeah, and then we also cover anything having to do with the paranormal, cryptids, and conspiracy theories. You can find us on all major podcasting platforms. Yeah, we'll see you there. Alright, so give them a listen. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Folklore Rocks. <laughs> uh, pictures, notes, sources on folkloreontherocks.com. Again, we have a Patreon, uh, like we talked about earlier in the episode. We also have a PayPal button on our website if you just want to make a one time donation. We are still doing free stickers if you want to write a review and send a screenshot in to us. Um, and then we also ask, you know, just please rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Facebook. Anything like that is a wonderful. Once we hit that 100 reviews, we're going to do that bonus episode with a listener-selected creature. And that could be anything, you know. So if you really, really, really want an episode on Bigfoot, this is your chance. And other than that, just tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best marketing we can possibly get. Uh, if you don't like us, tell your enemies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just spread the word. You know, and we we appreciate we appreciate you guys listening and hanging out with us all the time. You know, we love it. We love doing it. We love making it for you. Oh yeah! Thanks for listening, and just tune in again next Sunday. Yep, we'll see you then. Um, everybody take care of yourselves and everybody else. Uh, yeah, and thank you just so much. Uh, we hope you can join us again. We'll have more, you know, creepy creatures, fun stories, and delicious drinks. Yes. Here on Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> <laughs>